You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. Denver hurrying, calling the play without a timeout. 23-22, two by two, the set for Case. Case faces five-man pressure, throws the ball, middle of the field, caught! Sutton is inside the 20, inside the 15, there's 12 seconds. 11, 10, 9, 8, they've got time, 7, 6, 5, they kill the clock with 3 seconds. We'll see Colby Wadman spot this in between the hash marks at the 24-yard line. Casey Kreider is the snapper. A kick to win it. Snap, placement, kick on the way. It is gone! It's over! Dave Logan of KOA News Radio on the call. Cortland Sutton's 30-yard catch to set up the Brandon McManus game-winning 34-yard field goal to lift the Broncos 23-22 over the Los Angeles Chargers. The Broncos face insurmountable odds on a 90-yard drive in the final minute. No timeouts led by Case Keenum. Broncos come from behind a win 23-22 over the Chargers in the AFC West Divisional Matchup. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Locked On Broncos Podcast, which is your daily bite-sized Broncos podcast, giving you all the latest and greatest around all things in Broncos country. Today we have your game recap show of the Broncos win. I'm your host, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst covering the Denver Broncos and the NFL. And I'm also a columnist over at PredominantlyOrange.com. You want to check out some great content over there, go to PredominantlyOrange.com, check it all out today. And in the meantime, shoot me a follow on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. And I too am a columnist over at Predominantly Orange. I am your co-host and also partner in crime along with Cody. I am Cameron Parker. Please follow me down on Twitter at Cameron Parker PO. You said it was a bite size. We are a bite sized episode, Cody, but we pack like enough content in here like a porterhouse steak. We we make sure that we we make sure we jam as much information as we can. And it feels good. It feels good to talk about a Denver Broncos victory in what was, to be honest with you, maybe one of the most impressive road victories of the entire NFL season. I think this might be Vance Joseph's biggest win as a head coach in the last two years. This, this win was huge, and and for many moments throughout this game, it felt like this game was over for the Broncos in many facets. There were a lot of errors, a lot of ups and downs, you know. And, and I don't like to nag on this a little bit. There were some bad calls. We'll talk about all that stuff here on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos segment number one. We're gonna have a game recap. We're gonna go through who performed well. We're gonna take a look at some key performances, some uh, concerning numbers if you're on the defensive side of the ball. But obviously, a win is a win. That's a good thing to have. It feels good to be talking about a Broncos win, like you said, Cameron. I know the fans are feeling the same way. But segment number two, we're going to give our thoughts as hosts and our analysis on the game. Some of the things that stood out in our eye. Maybe a little bit about the officiating. Not too much on that. But also, segment number three, we're going to take a little bit of a look ahead to the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town in Denver. We're going to have a crossover this week with Tony Serena, host of Locked On Steelers. So, Cam, this episode, 
episode is brought to you by MyBookie. We're going to tell you guys about MyBookie here in just a little bit, but let's dive right into this here real quick, Cam. I think it's worth noting this Broncos 23-22 to victory. There were a lot of things that could have uh, gone the Broncos' way. I felt like they didn't. There were a couple calls, obviously starting off in the first quarter. The Broncos getting the ball, deciding to go for it on fourth and one, and, and it, Philip Lindsay didn't get it, and it looked like on the instant replay review that he did get it. However, it was a change of possession, so what that meant for the NFL is that the league automatically reviews it in New York. All of a sudden, they said it, they, you know, it was confirmed. It wasn't converted, but you know, I don't know. It looked a little different. So Vance Joseph couldn't challenge the spot there. At that point, it kind of snowballed a little bit for the Broncos. And here's why. Because anytime the Broncos, uh, you know, I think either turn the ball over or turn it over on downs, or there's a big error that happens, really it's a snowball effect for the other team. And the Broncos at this point, it did happen for them. So obviously, Philip Lindsay doesn't get it. And then the, the uh, Chargers go down and they march it down the field. They end up scoring. But you know, I think an accumulation of this too, some bad calls. Obviously, uh, you know, there was a pass interference call on Chris Harris Jr. in that game. I didn't necessarily agree with because it had Keenan Allen with his hands all in Chris Harris's face mask pushing off him. They called on Chris. Chris was so mad at that point. He had he stepped off the field for a play. It, it, that was a frustrating thing for the Broncos in and of itself. But then you go back to the uh, fourth quarter late drive by Case Keenum and the offense in that final minute to set up the game winning field goal. You have a offensive pass interference call on Tim Patrick and he didn't even touch the defensive back. The defensive back touched him. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in the National Football League and it really goes to show I feel like that that officiating crew should never touch an NFL game again. I think they should be reassigned. Go do something at a lower level. That was poor and there's no excuse for that because it hurts the product of the professional game. But I'm going to sit up here on my soapbox a little bit. Let's take a look at some of the key statistics on the Broncos side of the ball in this game. Philip Lindsay came out 11 carries for the Broncos 79 yards and, and really I think he's the player of the game here offensively for the Broncos. Two touchdowns, one untouched on a scamper through the A-gap, and then the last touchdown out of the Wildcat formation. He did it himself, and one thing I really liked, I think Terrell Davis as well will approve of this, the mile-high salute we finally saw from Philip Lindsay. I know you were excited about it, Cam, as was Broncos country. There was orange everywhere at the StubHub Center in Denver today. You know, So the Broncos come out. They only ran the ball 19 total times. Royce Freeman was back a little bit. He had one touchdown run as well. But overall, looking at this game, seven carries, 23 yards, they're still kind of easing him back a little bit. Philip Lindsay was the guy that they needed to keep feeding today because he had the high hand, 11 carries, 79 yards. In terms of the passing game, Case Keenum, it wasn't the ideal start for him that he wanted. He started off very slow, but I tell you what, what really mattered, Camp, was that late drive, 90-yard drive. He went 70 yards. He completed five of five passes. He finished the game 19 of 32, 205 yards, and a 78.3 QBR rating. Now, the interesting statistic in this game, Kobe Wadman, the punter, had a 116.7 QB rating with one completion and one attempt for 12 yards and a big fourth down to Andy Janovich. You know what? The, the Broncos got some swag. They watched a little bit of film and seen what the Raiders did to the Chargers last week. They decided to do the same exact thing. So let's dive into the receiving side for the Broncos here. Emmanuel Sanders, six targets. He didn't get going until late. And, and really, he had a huge catch on that final drive, a 38-yard catch and run that got him all the way to the 50-yard line midfield. That was huge for the Broncos. Philip Lindsay, four catches, 27 yards. Cortland Sutton, three catches. And the huge, huge reception that you heard at the beginning of the show, courtesy audio of KOA News Radio. 
Radio and Dave Logan, that big 39-yard catch to set up the game-winning field goal. That was huge for the Broncos. Defensively for the Broncos, you had two interceptions, one by Chris Harris Jr. early on in the first quarter, and Von Miller sniffed out the screenplay. He picked it off, and he ran 42 yards. Not quite, obviously not quick enough as uh, Travis Benjamin caught up to him, but that was huge. That was a momentum turner for the Broncos in this game, and I believe if that play doesn't happen, I don't know if the Broncos come back and win this game. Yeah, you know, a lot to talk about um, that you touched on, you know, from the the Philip Lindsay being player of the game to the the the, the fourth quarter heroics of of Case Keenum. In fact, I think if you look back at uh, the totals of that fourth quarter, I think he was eight of ten for roughly about 120 yards. So nearly all of his passing numbers, significant number of passing numbers, came in that fourth quarter. So again, I think we're, we're so uh, I think with Case Keenum you're just starting to see him being comfortable again like the beginning part of that season uh, with Seattle and and with those comeback victories of Oakland and Seattle and I, I think we're getting to that point now granted it looked ugly it looked ugly it might have been one of the ugliest you know games to that point as far as the Broncos were concerned because you know they they, they went down they, they they scored that touchdown and and then obviously there was just a lot of mental mistakes a lot of mental gaps and then the, the everything just started to snowball for the Broncos and San Diego took advantage there was that one point where they probably should have been up 20 to 7 but uh uh, badly missed the field goal to make it 19 to seven. So there, so there, it also is a underlining, you know, miscue for the Los Angeles Chargers point of view is that there's that miss field goal that certainly looms large in a 23 to 22 game. And then you go back and you look at the fact that, you know, there's Cortland Sutton again, and one of the biggest moments of his career he makes the biggest catch of his career to set up a field goal. And you could just tell, you could see the, 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 the fight in the player's eyes, whether it was Case Keenum, whether it was Emmanuel Sanders, whether it was Cortland Sutton. You know, I don't really care if it was a three and six football team, but we've been preaching it over and over and over again that this football team actually is a little bit better than their record indicates. And it's unfortunate because when you have a, a losing streak, a losing culture at, at this point, sometimes it breeds throughout the entire organization at some times. But in this particular game, you could just tell in that fourth quarter that these players, they wanted to win the football game in both Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. And, and in particular, Case Keenum just rose above it and, and really helped win this game. And obviously, Brandon McManus being vindicated on that game-winning field goal. Redemption. I like to say that too, and and really kind of also a, a couple statistics defensively is in this game Von Miller secured his 100th career sack, and Bradley Chubb moved a little bit closer to that rookie sack record. They gave him one sack, but I, I'm kind of a little confused on that because he did have a sack late in the game on Philip Rivers in that third quarter. It looked like to be a misdirection handoff to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon didn't know that, and then Bradley Chubb took down Philip Rivers. So I'm not sure what that is. I think that might be something they look at. But if that's the case, that puts Bradley Chubb, I believe, at 10 sacks on the season as well. Him and Von Miller, they're, they're sitting at their 20 sacks combined between the two of them. Absolutely huge. And obviously, sack number 100 for Von Miller's career goes against Philip Rivers. I believe who he sacked 16 times. So these guys know each other very, very well. And that's, that's kind of the statistical analysis here on segment number one of the Locked On Broncos podcast, your game recap of the Broncos 23-20. to 
22 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. Coming up next, we're going to give our critical thoughts and our analysis, some of our takeaways from the Broncos win. And then before we get to that, let's talk about MyBookie, our sponsor of today's show. Now, MyBookie, with them, you can discover a wide variety of ways that you could win cold, hard cash today. MyBookie features awesome and highly interactive features like making live in-game bets or even betting on the total number of fantasy points a player may score in Sunday's matchup. You could have made a bet with Brandon McManus being lined up for a 34-yard field goal if he was going to make it or not, and you could have won money based on that analogy right there. But guess what? Go over to MyBookie right now and make a deposit. The moment you make a deposit to MyBookie, they will match you dollar for dollar when you use promo code locked on two five. That's promo code locked on two five, the number two and the number five, all one word with locked on. And if you make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, my bookie's gonna throw you an additional $25 of free play today to make more money. Turn your $25 into $2,500 with my bookie today. And once again, if you go there and visit my bookie, you can use promo code LOCKDOWN25 to get in the action and make money today. Go do it. Tell them Lockdown Broncos sent you. We'll be waiting. All right, Cam, let's get into it. Really kind of break it down our thoughts. We, we went over in segment number one, we recapped the game. Talked about some key plays, talked about some key performers in this game, but really there's a couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about a positive and I want to talk about a negative. I'm going to start off with the negative first. For me, in watching this game defensively, I'm a little concerned looking ahead of that Pittsburgh Steelers game because the Broncos are still having a difficult time in zone coverage. Now, I'd say against tight ends specifically, Justin Simmons today played horrible. Justin Simmons is having the worst year of his career as a football player in terms of coverage, and it just continues to show. His eyes are staring at the quarterback, and he's losing sight of his man. And, and the number one thing I don't like, and I, I trust me, I play DB. I know this stuff. I get it. Nobody, you know, as a DB, you never want to admit when you've been beaten. But on that Antonio Gates catch that almost, in a lot of your heads, a lot of our heads all across Broncos country, Twitter thought that sealed the game. There was a huge pickup on third down. He got burned. And he tried saying he got pushed off, and he really didn't. So DBs always make that excuse like, I got pushed off. That's why he caught the ball. Justin Simmons has got to do a better job if he wants to play on this football team or even see significant time on key situations. He has not had the year that I think anybody has imagined for him. I don't think he's had the year he's wanted and envisioned for himself as well. That's going to be my negative thing. But on the positive side, I thought overall today, I thought Bradley Roby had a pretty big game for the Bronx, and I think it was much needed for Bradley Roby. I still think Bradley Roby stays in Denver. He's getting a lot of hate right now, but I'm sorry. There's not a lot of options out there, a cornerback that you can bring in if you're the Broncos. That's going to do, I think, a better job than Bradley Roby. I don't think it's possible. Now there was rumors Jacksonville might be looking to trade, you know, Jalen Ramsey. I highly doubt that, but you never know. You know, anytime some rumor comes out like that, the organization will always say something. We had the same thing happen this offseason when Demarius Thomas was linked to trade rumors. That's what we had. And I guess what happened to trade deadline, Demarius Thomas back to Houston. So, you know, I, I, I think in this one Bradley Roby he played a phenomenal game when he needed it the most very underrated there was this one play against Tyrell Williams underneath on a crossing pattern he broke it up he tipped it it almost could have been intercepted but he broke up the play very very big day by uh, Bradley Roby so that's going to be my positive and my negative takeaway from this game here this morning I think for me um, the, the the positive and the the negatives sort of tie in a little bit together um, I think we're at we're and it's going to feel like we're beating a dead drum, but we're at this point at week twelve and especially after the bye week or sorry week um, week eleven after the bye week that 
you know, Philip Lindsay is now solidifying himself as the heartbeat of the offense. And when you are the heartbeat of the offense, you can also be the team's offensive MVP. And I, I think that we are now realizing that Philip Lindsay, whenever he touches the football, whenever he he sees the holes, whenever he makes the right read, or even with that particular swagger, that's how the offense goes. And the the, the negative of that is we need more. And so in in, in this terrific comeback win. I, I appreciate the fact of Case Keenum leaning down his 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 team and and putting his team on his shoulders and carrying them to the victory, but also at the same time, also at the same time, we also have to be realistic to a certain degree and understand if Philip Lindsay's averaging seven point nine yards a carry. That can't continue as far as the the workload goes, meaning he needs to get more of those carries. Royce Freeman, at some point, because I, I, like you said in in the past segment, Cody, there's still I'm, my guess is a little bit cautious with him and his high ankle sprain. His touchdown run certainly seemed to uh, to, to say otherwise, but I think that. Between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, just in particular, though, I think that they need to get those carries up. They need to even make them. I don't. I, I honestly don't care where they go with it, but maybe see if they can make it 2020 and really limit the amount of pass attempts that Case Keenum has to do uh, in a football game. And now, now, granted that that's sort of nitpicking in a really good you know, comfort behind win against one of the best teams in the AFC. So that that's in essence his nitpicking. But I think we, we're, we're still looking at uh, beating that drum of 11 carries is too little for Philip Lindsay, in particular the type of impact that he makes in both the running and passing game. Yeah, I think the Broncos would benefit from a better mix, obviously, of the run game, the pass game. I still think, I think 2020 might be a little too much. I would say maybe along the lines 2015, that sounds a little bit, but you know what, what's five more carries to do? I think that could be something. That, I think it really, though, Cam, I think it depends on situations. If you're up in a football game, then I, I think 2020 is realistic. You want to run the ball, run the clock down, and, and we'll talk about the here coming up in just a, a little bit of when we take a look ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town next Sunday. Tough matchup for the Broncos at home. It's going to be a real test for them. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a minute. But one thing I want to allude to is the fact that Case Keenum, I I think he operates better under center. I think he's a better Mm -hmm. guy under center. The Broncos went a lot of shotgun with him today. I still think they have to go more under center. Play action, roll out from under center. You know, it's becoming a little too easy to predict what the Broncos are going to do in the shotgun with Case Keenum. And when they run that zone read, it's not really like Case Keenum is a threat to keep the ball and run it. So defenses are really squeezing down that edge of the line of scrimmage off the edge, playing that contain. And either it's going to be a draw or an inside zone to Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman, but nobody's going to expect Case Keenum to pull it and run. So really it kind of makes you a little one-dimensional unless you're going two-by-two or a three-by-two set, empty formation with the Broncos there. I I think they got to go a little bit more under center. That's just my opinion. He looks good under center compared to being in the shotgun. It might open things up a little bit more. I think the Broncos are still toying around a little bit, but obviously the continued punts, the continued three and outs, that's a concerning situation, especially when you're going to be playing a very strong team with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll take a look at that coming up in just a moment. And our look ahead in segment number three, we just got done talking about some of our key thoughts, positive takeaways, 
these negative thoughts. Not really negative thoughts, but more so the good and the bad from this game. And uh, before we get to segment three, let me tell you guys about Locked On Nuggets. Now, Adam Mates, he's a writer over there at denverstiffs.com, doing a phenomenal job over there at Locked On Nuggets. The Nuggets dropping a huge road game, a high-scoring offensive game to the New Orleans Pelicans. Very frustrating, this Nuggets team. Jekyll and Hyde now 10-6 and on the year. Nikola Jokic had a big first quarter. Unfortunately, the Nuggets couldn't keep up late in the game. The Pelicans ran away with it. The Nuggets begin their second game coming up here shortly of their three-game road trip. And Adam Matas has you covered with all the latest and greatest on the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Check them out over there, our Denver Brothers station in the NBA for the Locked On NBA branch. And as well as the Locked On Podcast Network, doing huge things on social media. On Twitter, you can follow Locked On NFL Net, where you can get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their NFL team on one feed. That was very huge today because guess what? There was live game tweeting from every host, every single network part on the Locked On NFL Twitter handle. Very, very huge there. And on Instagram, you get to hear the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram stories and longer cuts of the biggest stories on your feeds. Obviously, some big news in the NFL today. Alex Smith breaking his tibia and fibula, undergoing immediate surgery. He is done for the year. Career could be called into jeopardy after a very, very tragic injury for them as the Redskins lose at home to the Texans. Obviously, Lockdown NFL Net on Instagram and Twitter. We'll have you covered with that news today. All right, let's take a look ahead to the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. The Steelers coming off of a big win against a rival. And they're not a divisional rival, but they are a rival in the AFC. And they went down to Jacksonville. And they won in the last eight seconds of the game. Big Ben Roethlisberger taking the shotgun snap, rolling out. It almost looked like it was going to be a shovel pass to the tight end. He keeps it. He dives into the end zone, barely gets it. And it's a touchdown, and they would go on to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into uh, Jacksonville, I think, you know, Jalen Ramsey had a huge game, huge interception covering Antonio Brown. But, Cam, I'm a little concerned about this matchup here because the Broncos love to play a predominantly zone-covered defense. They like to play quarters coverage quite a bit. I just don't think with the weapons that Pittsburgh has offensively, obviously the sensation of James Conner at running back over Le'Veon Bell, that's been huge for them. But really, if Juju Smith Schuster, you have Antonio Brown, you have these tight ends, you know, Jesse James, you, you have a lot of options at tight end to really hurt this Broncos defense. We've seen that be a, a kind of an issue for this team. What I'm thinking in this matchup, I'm a little scared looking on paper in terms of seeing the uh, the Broncos surrender over 470 total yards of offense against the Chargers, Good, who's a great offense. Don't get me wrong, great offense. But you also have the weapons that you have with Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and we saw what Big Ben can do if he has time in the pocket. He diced up the Panthers for five touchdowns. He only missed two, two or three passes in that game, I believe 23 of 25 in that game. And they come to Denver. And so really you have to get to the quarterback in this game. I'm just a little concerned about it right now looking at it on paper. Not to overshadow the Broncos' big win, but that's definitely something that kind of concerns me with our look ahead. Absolutely. And in essence, I think as far as the game plan goes, it's not an entirely gadget offense, but there are still weapons galore. And so if you're looking at a potential defensive game plan, my best bet is to do exactly what they did in the first three quarters. We, we know exactly what happened in the last quarter uh, when they played the Kansas City Chiefs, but do exactly what they did in the three quarters against the Kansas City Chiefs of, of playing exactly that uptight defense and getting pressure on, on Patrick Mahomes. And, and if they can get Patrick Mahomes, 
or sorry, they can get Big Ben, Big Ben Roethlisberger with that type of pressure and get him a little bit rattled. Then there's that opportunity for maybe some some turnovers or or the opportunity to create turnovers. And on the offensive side of the ball, I, I think. You know, we, we, we touched a little about it on as far as running the football, you have to control clock. And, and if you look as far as the, 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 the stats certainly go in this particular um, game against the San Diego Chargers, at one point in time, the Chargers were out, I mean, out, I guess, minuting them by a time of possession by, I believe it was like 10 or 11 points. So, I mean, or sorry, 10 or 11 minutes, I should say. And so, I mean, the, the, and if you look at it, actually, so I, I pulled up the stats right now. 37 to 22 was the final time of possession, the Chargers over the Broncos. Mm. That, has, that, that has to be reversed when you are the Denver Broncos and you are facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers are such a, a high-powered, high-flying offense, you have to get them off the field as much as possible. Yeah, you really do, and I I know it's hard, Cam. I always refer to them still as the San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers, and you know, we yes. keep going there. It's hard. I think they need to go back to San Diego. Period. To be honest with you, but anywhere they go, the Broncos fans will be there in California. Great showing by the Broncos fans in this game. But you know, I think you're absolutely right. When the Broncos go into this matchup with the Steelers, I, I think the key to this game is you have to control the clock offensively, minimize turnovers. Which Case Keenum, two consecutive games in a row without throwing an interception, not turning the ball over. He didn't even get sacked today with the Broncos O line the way that it is. That was something yeah. that we kind of left out I think it was huge but you know when I look at this game Cam I, I think you really have to control the game on the ground running the ball controlling the time of possession and defensively you have to get off the field you have to force Big Ben to make some errant throws and, and hope that you can capitalize get to Big Ben or even get an interception but you know if you give Ben Roethlisberger time to sit back in the pocket he'll dice you up and that's what the Broncos cannot afford in this game when the Broncos host the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday at Broncos Stadium at Mile High New banner you have Emmanuel I believe it's Emmanuel Sanders and you have Chris Harris Jr. on the banner there huge huge stuff there Broncos look to ride the momentum of the 23 to 22 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers this Sunday this is your locked on Broncos post game report we'll have you covered this week we're gonna have a locked on Broncos crossover show with locked on Steelers Tony Serino host of locked on Steelers joins the podcast this week as well as Sarah Bettinger and Andrew Wade we're gonna get them on here this week to talk as well and obviously it's Thanksgiving which means we're going to have our game preview show for you guys coming out on Thursday we know you're going to be enjoying your turkey enjoying your stuffing your mashed potatoes your your apple pie your pecan pie whatever you have on Thanksgiving a lot of desserts and obviously football and Black Friday shopping we got some cool things in store for you guys here as well to keep you occupied during that time while the turkey's in the oven you can listen to Lockdown Broncos I'm Cody Rourke speaking for my co-host Cameron Parker we'll see you again tomorrow for another episode of Lockdown Broncos